I think you're going to need more tarpaulin, Jasper. And more baby oil. Do you remember last year? Got quite out of hand. Lot of flesh fighting for space. Oh, they're here. Hello, gorgeous creep. My name is Piano Teeth, and I am the voice inside your head. Thank you so much for putting me in your ear and letting me trickle around your mind. For those of you that don't know by now, I have no skin, and so live down here in the dark where I sit in the bath drinking bleach. So much lovely bleach that my brain cracks and I am plunged into a story. Different every time. I am joined, as ever, by Jasper the Toad. Say hello, Jasper. He's being busy, getting everything ready for his annual Bunga Bunga party. He likes to dress up as former Italian Prime Minister Silvio Berlusconi. Then old Uncle Silvio welcomes his guests for a game of Twister on the tarpaulin with lashings of baby oil. I don't join in. Can't be damaging my skinless sinews. Instead, I watch from the bath with a bleach martini and a treacle sponge, judging everyone. Oh, fuck. Jasper, is that dickhead Tristan coming? What? He is a dickhead. Boring. Boring, boring, boring. Just as a load of coke and talks about doing a podcast. Just do the podcast. It's 2021. Just do it. Oh, he is doing it. All right, what's it called again? Come poo with me. Let me get it up. It'll be on Spotify now. Just bear with me, bear with me. Have a look. Here we are. Come poo with me with Tristan Monkfish. Each week, Tristan and a celebrity guest go into the woods to have a poo together, where they talk about their feelings and discuss conspiracy theories. This week's guest features Dame Judi Dench, who, after a vindaloo, has a lot to get out of her system and a lot to say about 9-11. Do you know what? I'm going to listen to that. Not for him, don't like him, but Dame Judi Dench, I'll turn up for anything. I'm in. Right, let's do the advert. Then we'll crack on with the story, shall we? I can feel the bleach kicking in. What shit are we selling today, Jasper? You're a man. And you got a penis. It's a mighty fine penis. So what if you gotta punch yourself in the face just to get an erection? No one needs to know. But how are you gonna show everyone that you're a man? You can't show them your penis, mighty and fine as it is. That's illegal. You got stubble. You drink whiskey. You smoke cigars. But it's not enough. What you need is a car. A big fucking car. Put your throbbing masculinity on display and make all the women want you. They'll be like, oh my God, look at that man in his big car. I bet he's got a mighty fine penis. So what if you get a family, a wife? You can walk out on them, drive off into the distance in this marvelous machine. No one will blame you. Your wife will be happy for you. There goes daddy. She'll say to the kids. There he goes, being a man. Maybe he'll come back. Who knows? Doesn't matter. I'm sure his absence won't affect you at all. Stay.
step into your God-given right. Never let anyone question your divine masculinity ever again. And buy this car. Subject to availability. Terms and conditions apply. When bought on APR, typical 2543% finance. Your mum in a great big jar. Epstein didn't kill himself. Ugh. I need a good wash after that disgusting display of capitalism. Does that work on anyone? Is there a man out there who hears something like that, a commercial like that, and goes, yes, yes, I'm going to buy that car? Some pot-bellied suburban dad who missed out on a threesome at uni and feels cheated by life somehow, keeps losing his mind at center parks. Like this will make it better. It won't, Kevin. It really won't. Ugh. Let's get on with it, shall we? That bleach is coming on hard. My eyes are starting to roll into the back of my head. This story is called Billy Piper, Dimension Stepper. Billy Piper heaved herself up from the tarmac blinking as the world came back into focus. Flames poured out of the crashed car, tearing into the stillness of the quiet road, licking at the windows of the houses lined either side, lighting the wide-eyed stares of terrified residents as they peered at the carnage from behind their curtains. A pain shot through her leg. Grimacing, she looked down to see a wound staring angrily back at her through a rip in the jeans. A cut, deep across her thigh. It had already turned an electric blue, and it throbbed aggressively, the poison spreading through her veins to take hold of her body. She didn't have much time. Reaching down, she pulled the sword out of Eddie Redmayne's throat, wiping it clean on his clothes. The runes, etched on the blade, shone with a bright golden light. The ancestors were pleased. Shouldering her rucksack, she limped over to the motorbike, laying on its side. It was battered, its wheel buckled, and some other bits that we don't know the name of but are definitely very important were broken. Billy winced. Her leg had gone numb, and she felt the other begin to seize up. Her breath was coming in short snatches, the lungs overworking. She had to inject herself, but not here. It was too open. Others would be along soon. She was well aware of the spectators watching through the windows and capturing this bizarre scene on their phones. Let them, she thought to herself. She was too far gone now. There was no going back. Whatever happened, Billy Piper's time on Earth was finished. <laughs> Do you really think the Carcany are going to let you get away, Billy Piper? Billy drew her gun, pointing it at Russell Brand, who was sat, leaning against the wheel of a parked car. He must have dragged himself out of the burning vehicle. He held his stomach, his clothes stained dark red. She shot him in the chest. His body jolted, and he looked down at the bullet wound, smiling at her through red teeth. Ah, just give me the codex, and... She shot him again. Ugh, we're not so different, you and I. 
She shot him again. Ah, you know, it's funny. I never thought that... She shot him again. Oh, can I just have my dying words, please? She shot him again. Ah, oh, all right, fine. I'll just die then, shall I? She shot him again. Ah, who cares what I have to say anyway? She shot him again. Oof. Don't mind me, I'll just die here. No final monologue or nothing. She shot him again. <laughs> here lies lovable rogue and autodidact Russell Brand. Who cares what he had to say anyway? She shot him again. Oh, you finished? Billy asked. Russell Brand looked at her defiantly. No, he said, and died. A car was approaching behind, creeping along the road, its headlights illuminating the wreckage, Deddy Redmayne and Russell Brand. Squinting, Billy aimed her gun at the driver, who stopped, raised her hands, and then started waving. It was a taxi. Billy lowered the gun and took a step forward. Help me, she managed to say, before her legs gave out, and she hit the ground again. Keeley reversed her taxi into the bay of a quiet car park, where she knew she wouldn't be disturbed. She came to the same spot at the same time every night that she was working, and often on the nights that she wasn't working, mainly for something to do. She switched off the engine and reached over to the glove box, pulling out the usual tuna mayo bap, banana, quavers and curly whirly. In that side pocket bit of her door, you know what I mean, was her flask. After pouring herself a cup of snow white tea, she reclined the seat and smiled with contentment. The sequence was complete. She tapped the phone, which sat in the holster by the wheel a few times until she found what she was looking for. She sat back in the chair, slurping her tea and taking a bite out of the sandwich as the screen burst into life and the streets of Tokyo appeared before her. Great skyscrapers tore up into the night sky, lined like dominoes and adorned with neon signs that flickered and flashed, demanding the attention of the scurrying mass below. On the pavement, tongues of light spilled from the mouths of shops fed by a steady stream of people, swallowed and spat out onto the streets where they would appear, briefly on the screen, immersed in conversation, their phones or their thoughts, offering a brief snapshot of their lives before disappearing. It was raining, and huge drops fell down the camera, smudging the lights of the cars, bleating as they edged their way down the road. Keeley gave a cheer when she saw the yellow of the Tokyo taxi, an international cabbie comrade. She liked to imagine that one day she would turn Japanese and be a taxi driver in Tokyo. Then she could watch videos of someone walking through London at night and eat sushi. Her only concerns were that one, she didn't like sushi, and two, she couldn't speak Japanese. However, she reasoned with herself that if she turned Japanese, then she probably would like sushi. And as for the language, she would just have to learn it. There was no other way around it. If you're going to turn Japanese, you'll have to learn Japanese.
With that settled, she unpeeled the banana, watching this world in her screen as it took her down hidden streets and winding alleys. Above the doorways were signs, covered in those Japanese letters. Keeley had no idea what they meant, but she liked their elegance. She wondered what the signs were for British shops in Japanese. What would Greg's look like? Was there a Japanese Greg's? And did they sell sausage rolls, steak bakes, and yum-yums? She finished the banana, excited to see where in Tokyo she would be taken to next. There was a sudden screech of tires, shattering glass, the scraping crunch of metal, and a wadumbaka. And although she didn't know what that particular sound was, I think we can all agree that it didn't sound good. She started the engine. As a self-taught first aider, she had a responsibility to help. And as a human being, she was really nosy. Lobbing the banana skin out of the window, she set off to investigate. Which was how Keeley came to be confronted by Billy Piper, pointing a gun at her. A gun. An actual gun. And Billy Piper. Actual Billy Piper. As a Doctor Who fan, Keeley adored Billy Piper, and she whooped with delight and waved, at the same time realising that her favourite Doctor's companion was stood behind the barrel of a gun, and so combined the friendly wave with the universal signal for, please don't shoot me. As a result, Keeley now sat, half smiling, half wincing, waving her raised hands, like a children's TV presenter on a come down finally being able to end the show and cry. But Billy Piper didn't shoot her. Instead, she shouted, Help me! before collapsing in front of the taxi. Keeley immediately flung the door open and knelt by Billy's side. What's happened? I'll call an ambulance, she asked. She could see that Billy was in pain, her body shaking as her breath came in short, guttural rasps. No, we, we have to go. They tried to kill me, please, just, just drive me. It's not safe here. Keeley could see the desperation in Billy's face, and she made up her mind, not to question why she pointed a gun at her, or why she had a sword, or why her legs and hands were blue, or why Eddie Redmayne and Russell Brand lay dead near a burning car. This was Billy Piper, chart-topping pop star and loyal Doctor Who companion. She was a celebrity and had been on the TV and Top of the Pops. Of course, Keeley was going to help her. She then half-carried, half-dragged Billy into the back of her taxi, laying her down on the back seats. In my bag, Billy pointed at the rucksack, is a little black box. Please, get it for me. Keeley rummaged inside the rucksack. Amongst the old bits of parchment, a vicious-looking knuckle duster and a small red pyramid covered in symbols, she found the box and opened it revealing a set of syringes with small vials filled with a bright pink liquid. Oh, you're diabetic, said Keeley, passing the open box over to Billy. My cousin is as well. Couldn't stop eating Krispy Kremes. Had to cut his foot off last year, which is mad, isn't it? Because they're not even that good donuts. Just drive, said Billy, removing one of the vials. Her hands were stiffening up and she didn't have much time. Where to? Keeley asked, hopping in the front seat. Anywhere, 
said Billy. I just need to inject this, then I'll be all right. And you, and you can drop me off anywhere. We, we've just got to get away before they come. Keeley nodded and began reversing the taxi back down the road, away from the burning car, dead bodies and bemused onlookers, and drove off into the night, meandering around the quiet roads, away from whoever they were, with Billy Piper trying to shoot up in her taxi. And she still had the curly-whirly left. It was all very exciting. Despite her shaking hands, Billy had managed to attach the vial to the syringe and was trying to point the needle at the blue neon wound festering on her thigh. It was hard, due to the paralysis taking hold of her entire body and the seemingly never-ending speed bumps in the road. The cab suddenly came to an abrupt halt, throwing Billy onto the taxi floor. The syringe fell out of her hands, rolling beneath the seats. Sorry, traffic lights. Keeley called back. As she sat, waiting for the green, she saw a motorbike approaching the junction. Its rider wore no helmet, his hair flowing behind him as he sped along. He was approaching the lights far too quickly to be able to slow down. Maybe he was hoping they'd change by the time he got there, Keeley thought. She couldn't see any cars coming, but even so, he was being a prick. She honked her horn to let him know. But, rather than even attempt to slow down, the motorcyclist sped up, revving the engine and hoisting his front tyre into the air, ignoring the red light and speeding across the junction on his back wheel. What a wanker! Keeley shouted at him as he sped past. He locked eyes with her, and as they did, she saw them turn jet black. She felt a chill down her spine. Noel Edmonds! she said out loud, once he'd gone past. What? Billy asked from the floor, her voice gripped by panic. Noel Edmonds just went past on a motorbike, doing a wheelie and and get this right. The lights had changed, and she was accelerating over the junction. His eyes, yeah, I swear to you, his eyes were black. Just for a second, but they were, I saw it. Did you look directly at him? said Billy. Yeah. She shuddered, not wanting to go any further. She felt violated, ashamed. He's coming back, Keeley said, eyeing the rearview mirror as Noel did a U-turn and sped up behind them. Floor it, Billy shouted. Shit, she thought to herself. This was bad. If Noel was onto them, she stared at the syringe, willing it to come closer as it rocked from side to side. Her arms were useless now, and she strained forward with her neck, trying to grab a hold of it between her teeth. Even with Keeley's foot to the floor, the taxi was no match for the motorbike, and Noel Edmonds gained on them fast. Keeley watched as he came, right up behind the cab. Billy, what's going on? Keeley asked, as Noel Edmonds stared at her through the window, into her rearview mirror, his eyes gleaming. But Billy couldn't answer. She was straining her head so far forward the veins stood on end, the syringe just inches from her tongue, a little more, just a little more. He was now coming up the side of the cab, riding in line with Keeley. Give me Billy Piper, he shouted through the window. Keeley looked into his snarling face. He's got fangs, she shouted to the back of the cab. Fucking fangs, Billy Piper, in his mouth! 
She watched as Noel Edmonds pulled the shotgun from a holster on the side of his bike. And a gun, she shouted back. He's got a big... Ah, oh, shit! Suddenly realising what this meant, Keeley swerved into the bike, forcing Noel Edmonds to move out the way, missing his shot. Keeley winced as the gun fired over the cab, into the sky. Cool, that's loud, isn't it? She called back to Billy, who, thanks to the swerving cab, now had the syringe in her mouth. She could feel her neck beginning to stiffen as she edged the needle ever closer to her thigh. It was so close, just a fraction more. The cab swerved again, and the motion threw Billy into a corner, jolting her leg up to her mouth. The needle stabbed into the wound. Swallowing a scream of pain, she pushed the syringe down with her teeth, injecting herself with the fluid, and with a sigh of relief, she watched as the serum began to get to work, bringing life back to her paralysed limbs. Right, she said to herself, sitting upright and locking eyes with the self-styled king of light entertainment, who sneered and pointed the shotgun straight at her. With a bang, the glass of the passenger window was shot through, scattering the back of the cab and covering Billy, who had just about ducked in time. Oi, that's my taxi, dickhead, Keeley shouted, and with a jerk of the steering wheel, she slammed the cab into the side of the bike, knocking Noel off balance. He dropped the gun as he scrabbled for the handlebars. Keeley's triumph was fleeting as Noel Edmonds suddenly jumped up to stand on the bike seat and with a roar launched himself at the taxi. She watched, open-mouthed as he flew through the air towards her, Hawaiian shirt flapping behind him, his outstretched fingers becoming claws that he bore down on the roof, holding himself there. Keeley swerved, trying to throw him off, but he clung on like a limpet swinging his legs through the window where he was immediately headbutted by Billy Piper. Covered in glass, with Noel Edmonds and Billy Piper fighting in the back of her taxi, Keeley felt somewhat out of her depth. She kept her eyes on the road, hands on the wheel, as the taxi raced through the thankfully quiet streets. Keeley wasn't paying much attention as to where she was going and found herself pelting towards the dead end of a cul-de-sac. With nowhere to go, she slammed on her brakes. The backseat brawlers were thrown forward into the perspex glass. Without thinking, Keeley grabbed the thermos flask in that pocket thing, you know what I mean, and ran round the side of the taxi, wrenching open the passenger door and slammed the flask straight into Noel Edmund's face. He bolted and went to grab at her, but Billy, in one swift motion, drew her blade and stabbed it right through the back of his head. He stared, bemused at the sword protruding from his mouth, before Billy pulled it free and he fell to the ground. Not for the first time that evening, Keeley felt out of her depth. The first time she'd seen a corpse was Russell Brand, and then Deddy Redmayne, earlier on, let alone seeing someone get stabbed, and for that person to be deal-or-no-deal presenter Noel Edmonds, run through with a now-glowing sword by Billy Piper, who had just pointed a gun at her, was quite a lot to take in. Keeley was sick, all over her shoes. She suddenly dropped the thermos, unable to move her arm. It had completely seized up. 
Panicked, she wrenched the jacket off with her working hand and hoisting up the sleeve revealed a vicious cut bubbling on her forearm. It had turned an electric blue colour and it looked like it had spread like a mould through her veins, making her pale arm look like a roquefort or a sanagur, which is a blue cheese to the layman. I've got you, don't worry, said Billy, taking hold of her arm and readying a syringe. With a reassuring smile, she injected a strange-looking serum into Keeley's arm. It took immediate effect, bubbling away over the wound, and Keeley felt warmth flooding through her veins as life returned to her fingers. Amazing, Keeley said, marvelling at her healed arm. So, where are we going now? What's the plan? You've got to get out of here, Billy said as she zipped up her rucksack. Drive as far from here as you can. They'll be on to you. Thanks, by the way. Uh, just one minute, Billy Piper. You can't just leave me here with a dead TV presenter in the back of me cab and tell me to flee as you go swaggering off all dramatically with your shiny sword. What's going on? I don't want to get you involved. I'm already involved. Did you not see him fire a shotgun at me? I'm not going to last a minute on my own. I can drive. Billy stopped. This lady was right. She was already involved and wasn't going to last a minute on her own. And she could drive. It's going to be really dangerous, she warned. That's fine, said Keeley. You're going to see a lot more celebrities die. That's also fine, said Keeley. Billy smiled. All right then, let's go. She walked back to the taxi and shoved Noel back in, shutting the door. We'll chuck him off a bridge somewhere. Where are we going? Keeley asked. Stonehenge, said Billy. I'm Billy, by the way. I'm Keeley. Keeley grinned with excitement as she switched on the engine. Here she was, going to tourist attractions and dumping bodies off bridges with Billy Piper. What an adventure. Just like Doctor Who. She put her foot down and drove off into the night. Oh, hello, gorgeous creeps. I'm afraid the story left me there. The bleach has worn off. Don't worry, we'll get it back. But not before my brain has repaired itself a little bit. I'm just as eager as you to find out what's going on with Billy Piper, but you'll have to wait a little bit for part two. I need some treacle sponge and a fag before we go back there. Jasper, can you bake me a treacle sponge? Well, you can go and get more baby oil whilst the sponge is baking. It's not hard. There's a good toad. In the meantime, don't forget to like and subscribe to me. And of course, share me with your friends. Or anyone. That stranger on the bus. Do it. Do it now. Just put me in their ears. Go on. I dare you. See what happens. You can donate to my bleach fund at ko-fi.com forward slash piano teeth. Or why not go to my Patreon, where you can throw some coin in my purse on a monthly basis. 
if you enjoy what I do. And of course, add me on Instagram at the underscore piano underscore teeth, where you can stay up to date with all of my other little nasties. Until next time, you sexy scumbag, be well.